everybody. Thank you for joining me. This is Jeremy Torgerson with Invest Advisors Money in 30 podcast. Kind of an impromptu podcast put together today, Friday, July 8th, 2016. I don't normally want to make any of these that timely um, because I don't want the podcast to date. I want you to be able to um, refer back to the information in them and hopefully they're a little bit more timeless. But in this instance, I wanted to get on the air this afternoon and say a couple of things and... Um, uh, the events of the last few days in terms of media uh, coverage of, of um, several events in not only this country but in the world have prompted me to think a lot about the media's role in our emotional states sometimes and how letting other people tell you how to feel about certain things is probably a terrible thing to do. Um, our, our website, by the way, is www.nvestadvisors.com. That's N-V-E-S-T, advisors.com. On that website, you can learn a lot about my firm, uh, how we invest client money, uh, the kinds of people that are better suited to be our clients, um, and various blog entries about some of our investing philosophy and how we believe and that, uh, how we believe the uh, about handling client money correctly and what we believe in and how we do it, all that kind of good stuff. So I want to um, make sure that you are aware that a um, couple of things, housekeeping real quick, and then we'll move on to today's subject. The uh, Today, again, is Friday, July 8th. Last night uh, in Dallas, Texas, uh, a gunman, at least one, the details are still sketchy, uh, shot at least 12 police officers, it appears. Uh, looks like five have passed away. Um, we are not in Dallas, Texas, but we are in Texas. Um, uh, Invest Advisors is currently in Brownsville, Texas, so clear on the other end of the state. But uh, our heart is is uh, so moved by the uh, the tragedy that's happened. Invest Advisors fully and wholeheartedly, enthusiastically supports our men and women in uniform, whether that is military or that is uh, our, our local police officers or fire department officials who do so much work for, um, for the citizens, keeping us safe and protecting us from um, everything that's out there. And so uh, I just want to say, as the CEO of this company, uh, our prayers are with you, your families tonight. Um, frankly, we pray uh, every day in this firm for uh, not only that we do well by our clients and that we we uh, um, are um, the best possible fiduciaries and good stewards of the trust that our clients place in us, but we pray often for our communities, for uh, for each other, and for our for our nation. And uh, I think it's important that um, that uh, tonight, when you have a moment, you're at the dinner table. Or you're getting ready for bed. Uh, some somebody's families have a loved one not coming home tonight, and uh, and those people were out. They rushed toward the danger to save the protesters at that Black Lives Movement rally in Dallas. They rushed toward danger to save other people, and there is no greater human being than one that will rush right into the arms of death to save and to save a stranger. So my heart is definitely moved by the tragedy. And I think, you know what, folks, for the next several days at least, if you happen to be out at a restaurant or coffee shop and you happen to see a uh, police officer, um, buy him or her their meal and tell them, you know, as long and just say thank you. Thank you for what they do. 
Um, the other thing I would say is just a person, as a citizen, not not as necessarily a company head, but as a as a just a private person. Um, the division in our country that I think is being pushed upon us by uh, the political powers to divide us along so many fault lines in our country, whether that be race or economics. They tried that first with the one percent versus the ninety nine percent, and then then it's you know black versus white, and then it's it's uh, people who want to. A secure border um, uh, must be racist and not not uh, liking Latinos or Hispanics. None of that is true. I, I my ho- my home and my office is in Brownsville, Texas, right on the border. Um, and I can tell you, as a uh, as a concerned citizen, I want tough, strong border p- control. I want to know, as a citizen, who is crossing that that river, and and coming right by my home and my my kids' schools. Um, Every day, I want to know that we know who's being let in, um, and but I also and it has nothing to do with race. It has everything to do with safety. We don't lock our house doors at night, and I don't lock my office door here um, to keep because I because I hate the people outside. I lock my door at night because I love the people inside, and so that's what I feel like about America. Also, so I'll get off my political soapbox. <laughs> I don't want to turn that into this, but in the last couple of days, we've had a lot of issues. Um, and, and speaking of that, that's what we want to talk, cover in today's podcast is, is how to make sure that you keep perspective when it seems like we're being just, just bombarded from every direction with um, bad news and with, with negativity. Um, let me start with a couple of, of other things. And also one, one last quick house taking note before we get started. Um, this will be dated before most people hear it, but I want to make sure you're aware. Invest Advisors does a series of free webinars once per month called the Saturday Academy. And uh, the next one, the only reason I bring it up, is tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Central. We're holding a live webinar, free to the public, no sales pressure, no gimmicks, no gotchas, just a free uh, information webinar. If you are pre-retirement and are needing to figure out how to create a plan for retirement, this one-hour webinar is for you. And we love Saturday Academy and we love webinars because... You can sit there in your pajamas, sipping your cup of coffee on your tablet, on your phone, or on your desktop computer, and I can do the same thing and give you that information. So you can become a little bit more financially savvy and not even have to leave the house or get dressed to do it. So we hope that you'll join us. You do need to register ahead of time on any of these Saturday Academies, so please check the website under uh, uh, investadvisors.com. There's a tab at the front called Resources, and then there's one called Upcoming Events. And if you click on that tab, you'll be able to see some titles of some of the upcoming events. You click on that page, and it'll take you right to a registration page. We don't ask much info on registration, but we do have to keep, because of regulations in our industry, uh, keep tabs on who comes um, and from where. So please register for it. You'll get a couple of email reminders ahead of the events. And then um, uh, hopefully we can join you there. So there is still time to join tomorrow morning's um, podcast, I'm sorry, webcast rather, uh, webinar. And then we will also set that up for a repeat if you miss it and would like to watch it at the same place. Go to investadvisors.com and look for that. It's called Retirement, How to Actually Get There is the name of the the webinar. I'm excited to do it for tomorrow. Um, All right, moving on to this uh, situation that happened yesterday. Um, let me actually take it back a little bit further because one that impacts the economy more and may have impacted your investment accounts a little bit more recently was this uh, vote, if you've heard it, called Brexit. 
And if you're not familiar or lived under a rock and didn't watch any news for the last two weeks, Brexit is is an abbreviated form for British exit. And it means the, the, the European, I'm sorry, the, uh, the United Kingdom as a, as a consolidated several countries that are, you know, Britain, Wales, Scotland, want to, voted to leave the European Union, um, of which they were one of 28 nations that had formed a kind of common bond. They had been in the European Union for 43 years. That's why many of the younger people uh, who were interviewed, I believe, uh, said they could not imagine why older people wanted to leave the European Union is because people younger than 45 or 50 uh, have no memory of what it was for the British people to be their own sovereign nation and not part of a larger uh, collective unit. And so, um, but the older people saw that they believe a greater uh, future for Britain if uh, Britain leaves the Union. Um, I tend to believe as a personal, as a financial advisor, but also as a, as a kind of a student of politics and a student of, of history, the British people are going to do just fine, and I think they will be better off um, leaving the, the European Union. I think, actually, what you'll see is that the, the British exit will not be the last country to leave, and I think that the European Union has a lot of soul-searching to do if they want to stay viable as a political and, and economic power. Uh, I don't think that there's going to be uh, a, a long future um, for the European Union um, at this point. You have you have two basically different groups of countries. You have producing countries, and you have countries that are taking from the European Union. And right now, um, the British economy is being literally dragged down by remaining. So I think that that will happen. But what you saw in the aftermath, and I was watching the um, the British uh, news late on uh, that that uh, Friday morning. It was like late Thursday night last week when the the vote came down. And uh, I immediately wrote a, a blog entry on our website um, and sent out an email to our clients because I knew that Friday morning stock market would be awful. And, um, and it was mostly because the market gurus, the, the, the brainiacs in our industry, who um, are wrong more often than they are right, but for some reason they keep getting paraded in front of us as if they are geniuses, um, missed this completely. Literally, even after the polls had closed and the vote tally had begun, nobody expected uh, that this was going to be a vote to leave the European Union. The, the powers that be just said, well, no country, why would anybody want to be sovereign when they can be you know, one voice in a chorus instead of uh, their own country? And so they, they had the audacity always to believe that they were right, and when they were not right, they shockwaves rippled through not only the the uh, stock markets but the currency exchange markets and elsewhere so I think it's important for everybody to re- to understand at uh, at the outset that the the uh, world's investment markets are not really moved that much by you and me okay our accounts are very small in comparison to the many 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 trillions of dollars that are owned by hedge funds and, and, and foundations and 401k things and pensions and, there's, and governments. And there's a whole lot of more money in what they – and they call these types of big, big, big accounts institutional investors. So the institutional investors are the ones who move the markets up or down, and we kind of have to go along for the ride. The institutional investors also rely on a few – 
um, very well-paid analysts from a view, very, very uh, prominent financial firms to make those investment guesses. Investment guesses um, have, again, usually most investment uh, analysts are less accurate than a coin toss, just to keep that in perspective as we, as we talk a little bit. So anyway, nobody ever, nobody, nobody expected that this British vote was going to happen the way it did. Um, on Thursday nights, so the markets had not reacted very much to it previous. When the vote went the other way, though, I knew that there would be a lot of panic. So I wrote uh, a blog entry and sent an email to clients about 11 o'clock local time that night, um, just warning you guys that the next few days in the market was going to be brutal, but that the British people have a long, long, and very successful history of being self-reliant. At one point, the British Empire covered most of the globe and so that's not something that we were i was terribly worried about i think that the british people once they went over the the uh the shock of it um but they were going to be fine the other thing to remember was the vote did not happen immediately the um, british people had um there's still about a two-year process to unwind the european union uh, affiliation, and then they would just set up their own individual trade agreements with the, either the countries in the EU or with the EU itself, and that they would move on. So I knew that this was not going to be a significant problem for the um, or the British people, but I did know that it caught the investment markets completely by surprise, and so that was going to be uh, a tumultuous uh, market mover for at least. A while. It's actually smoothed out faster than I expected. I kind of thought for the next month or two we would have um, some financial ups and downs, but that did not happen. So anyway, we wanted to, uh, as I was watching the news that morning, and I already sent my email out to clients, so I was, I was getting ready in the morning, Friday morning, to come into the office, and I had the news on my bedroom television set. I was around the corner in the bathroom getting ready. And uh, it's interesting when you listen to the news rather than watch it. I think when we watch, we, we all take in the visual and sort of slack jaw, stare at it without really processing it. And when you have to listen, which is probably the benefit of things like this podcast or um, things like talk radio, when you have to listen, you engage your mind differently. So as I was listening to the news, the TV news, um, they were coming up on a commercial break, and the announcer said, when we come back, more about this Brexit vote and why you should be worried about it. And I thought, I perked up, and I thought, wait a minute, not only did the media just tell me what they th thought the news was, but they also told, were, were, had the audacity, frankly, to tell me what I should be feeling about it. And that was a, a real eye-opener for me, that, um, that our media, they used to, I'll say this, we used to have, not too long ago, for some of you real younger ones, you'll never know this, but there used to be reporters in the United States that would go out, they'd work their beat, something would happen, they would report it, the, their editors would say, uh-uh, give me two sides, two sources on each side of the argument, or whatever the, the editorial uh, mandate was, and then the reporter would crank out a story, such and such happened, so-and-so from the city hall said this, so-and-so from the labor union said this, and that was it. So it was very factual reporting, and, and yes, there was always a little bit of editorial discretion about what made the news, but it wasn't something that um, the reader was being led the way that we do now. And so to hear the media say basically this, Brexit was awful, 
and you should feel terrible and shame on the British people for voting this way. And it made me realize that, that we don't have, we don't really have a, a, a free, well, we have free media, but the idea of objective, unbiased media is a joke. It's been dead for a long time. So when I sat here and listened to the, the guys talk, I thought, well, no, first of all, why would a me- news media, why would they care? Uh, why would they say we should be worried about it? What what would, what what possible new value could uh, you know Mr. News Anchor sitting at a desk in New York City uh, reading a teleprompter? Um, why would he want you worried about it? And then it reminded me of several media classes and and uh, um, some education that I've I've learned over the years, especially in this line of work. And that is this simple concept: the media is very tuned in, like any good marketer really would be, to our ability to be manipulated emotionally. Um, and that, there, for example, there's an old saying in media, if it bleeds, it leads. And there's a reason for that. It's because we won't tune in to a boring newscast about Bob had dinner at Sally's house and they discussed, you know, the, the last ballet and things were good and, and this young person pulled a a cat out of the tree that kind of news would be not something that why why do why we don't want to hear good news i don't know i wish that we did as people i really wish we did um i think we'd be a better country if we spent if the news even just split give us the last 25 percent of the news and tell us something positive the world would be a better happier place every morning um but they don't and the reason for that is because human beings just like every other animal in the animal kingdom we have a heightened sense of alertness and attention span if we sense danger. And so if the news media can give you robbery down the street, there was a shooting such and such, there was a murder here, there was arson here, it causes us to feel tense, it causes us to feel self-protective, and it makes us watch. We have a, we have a, uh, we're tuned in specifically. In fact, I'll even give you kind of a paraphrase quote. I wish I had it in front of me. Roger Ailes, the, uh, one of the, uh, uh, the head guys at Fox News, was once quoted as saying this, we're not, even in, we're not in the news business, we're not even in the entertainment business, we're in the advertising business. And if we can paralyze you between commercial breaks, we win as a business model. So their idea to be, is to be more and more and more sensational in their headlines and in their, their news coverage because they know it works to make us tune in, okay? The same thing happens in this industry and any other. I mean, look at some of the shocking, um, not talented, but very, very shocking um, musical performers out there. I, I'm not going to have to name names. You all can think of a few that have no talent, but they are provocative, and that causes the attention that they seek. I've, I've seen some things that are described sometimes as modern art, uh, and as a as a semi pro actor, I'm kind of familiar with art and performing art and uh, those kinds of things. But when you see somebody who is up there, um, uh, you know, like on stage, rolling in butter and throwing themselves against a piece of plastic, I mean, you've seen everything, and they call that modern performance, you know, interpretive dance or modern art. And I'm sitting here out here as an actor, as a trained actor, saying that is talentless nonsense. That isn't that isn't talent. That's that's being a provocateur because you lack talent. So in 
<laughs> sorry, I digressed there for a minute. But the, the news media is provocative, and that's how they get you. The uh, Ponzi schemes in the financial services industry, same thing. The guy will come out and with a sales pitch that everybody knows is too good to be true. And yet we want to believe it. We want to follow that. We want to believe that Bernie Madoff really, really could get us always a guaranteed 11% over the market returns, which is what he promised. And, you know, the funny thing is Bernie did not milk little old ladies or poor working, blue-collar working-class people out of their small accounts. Bernie Madoff made his pitch to multi-multi-millionaires, people who have already had more money than they ever needed, and guess what? They still fell for the, the scam. So we're all the same when you take away all of our, our wealth and our uh, incomes and our professional degrees. And um, we are all very, very guilty of the same emotional triggers that, uh, that your, your neighbor is just like you. You may not think so, but you're, you're not. So, but you are. You really are. Okay, so... Um, before my Friday afternoon podcast becomes a Friday evening podcast, let me kind of get to the three talking points I wanted to bring you guys today. When you're dealing with the media and you are an investor, especially when you're an investor, this is what I really want to talk to you about is that, you know what, the news is going to depress you. They're going to make you feel certain things about what's going on in the world. Understood. Okay. But when you're an investor, um, you have to be even more careful to make sure that emotions do not govern your thinking in any way when it comes to uh, making money decisions. That's extremely hard to do, even for a guy who's trained like myself. But that's one of the most important reasons why you should consider having a financial advisor. It is not because you can't go to Scott Trade or one of these other discount broker online firms and buy a stock or buy a mutual fund at Vanguard on your own. You can do that. There's no problem with that. You could probably do your own research, as dull and dry as that is, of, of finding the right investment for you. What you won't be able to do well is get out of your own way when it comes to dealing with money in an unemotional way. And that's what your financial advisor should be doing for you. If they're not, find another one. And by the way, I'm taking new clients, so give me a call if you're looking for a financial advisor. Shameless plug. That's what I call those. Um, Okay, so here's the, the three things I want you to remember, like we said. Number one is if it bleeds, it leads, okay? That's very, very important to remember. The, there's much more good happening in the world today than bad. Otherwise, if it was bad news, they wouldn't have to repeat the same headlines every hour. They'd have 24 hours a day of brand new headlines. There's many, 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 many more good things in the world than bad. There are many, many, many more good people in the world than bad. Um, unfortunately, watching good people do good things would be pretty boring TV to human beings. And so we would turn in to watch the train wrecks on reality TV. We turn in to watch the, uh, the, the cat fights on soap operas. And we, we tune in to watch the bad news and the bad headlines on the news. So I wish it wasn't true, but it is. So please remember that. Number two, emotions in investing are devastating things. Okay, you can't make emotional decisions with money, and that is very hard not to do. Okay, so the the important thing to there's in fact there's a whole field of study on this guys called behavioral economics or behavioral finance it's also called, and the the study is is a question of why do people even though economics itself is is incredibly rational 
and logical and unsexy and very emotionless thing. If you know supply is greater than demand, then prices will drop. If demand is greater than supply, then prices will rise, and you'll find the the uh, the curve, and you'll find the the exact exact right price point in production. It's very very methodical, and this business can be that way a lot. In in far as on the financial advising side of economics, which is what I'm in. Um, you know, we get with a client and we say, all right, you are Mr. and Mrs. Jones, you are 20, you know, 45 years old each, you want to retire at 65, well, that's a 20-year time horizon, your risk tolerance is average for people your age, and then you need to, your, your goal is you want to, you have uh, $7,000 a month in today's dollars for retirement, um, you have about 3000 of it covered in a pension, so we have 4000 a month that we need to build a lump sum for, we anticipate your, your lifespan to be 85 for you, sir, 89 for you, ma'am. And we are going to figure out, and how much do you want to leave for children? None. Okay, great, because that's a long retirement. And so it's very logical. It's very methodical. And so we can create for you a plan that literally takes you from today to retirement, and we'll know exactly the dollar amount that we should be trying to achieve. Okay? That kind of, of work is is very it's not e- it's not easy to do, but it's it's the the bread and butter of a financial advisor and some CPAs, but mostly financial planner, financial advisors, life. How do I get you from here to there and get everything out of the way that could possibly derail this plan? So we look at insurances and and do we have you know do we need to fund a college or do we anticipate an inheritance or there's there's all these little check boxes that we go through to help you create a financial plan and then we will toss across the desk at you a a forty page beautiful report that has lots of graphs and we'll ooh and ah together and you guys will think this is my plan and if I take it home I'm gonna if we follow it we're gonna get where we're going and uh, rationally that's correct. If you rationally did this and there was nothing, you never got in your own way and life did not throw you any curveballs, you could follow this plan exactly. Now, that's the problem. If you, you could go get a financial plan, have, pay somebody to do it, and then off on your own to, to wander your way through the wilderness toward that goal line. But the relationships that I have with clients have to do with the fact that life gets in the way. A lot. I mean, I've had clients that have been divorced. We've had unexpected people uh, become very ill and have uh, extraordinary health costs. We've had people pass away unexpectedly. We've had a, a surprise uh, pregnancies. Things that all of a sudden we're like, oh, we thought we were, you know, saving for retirement. Now we got a kid to put through college. So, or or maybe that you have adult children and you need to bring your grandchildren in and help raise them or help financially care for them. The world is different than what we can put on paper sometimes. So I can anticipate. Um, the you know an average number of things that get in the way for a family, but everybody's life is different. I could give you a couple of examples of that, and I may in, in future podcasts about about that. But the the idea of keeping emotions out of it, um, it's it's harder to do than most people think. And so, my advice to you is this: when you have uh, you're investing, let's say that you're putting money in your four hundred one k or your 403B if you're a school teacher, or your IRA, what, however you're putting money away, and you're, you're working toward a goal. Let's say you've even met with a guy like me, and you have your financial plan, and you ha- you're 25 years away from retirement, and you're plugging away your three, four, five hundred $500 a month, or whatever you're putting in toward your um, retirement goals. And then the stock market takes a huge crash down, and you may not pay attention. If you're like most Americans, you don't pay attention day to day 
to the stock market movements. When you're retired, you sure do. You, you really do. But when you're when you're just out there slugging it away, and you're still, you know, you got kids, sports leagues to get to, and you've got, you know, that kind of thing going on. You, you pay don't pay attention until the statement comes, and then if, let's say your your statement on your four hundred one k comes every quarter, and you get your statement and it's down five percent for the quarter, or it's down even for two quarters in a row, or three quarters in a row, or even a full year down, you will go through a very normal emotional reaction to that change. And what you will want to do is to protect that savings because we all know that the fear of loss is much more powerful than the pain of loss, rather, is much more powerful motivator than the gain, than the, the joy and the, the pleasure of gain. We will always steer away from pain before we will ever steer toward pleasure. That's something that we know about the human condition. So when you see loss in the markets, you will instinctively want to protect what's left of that money and pull it away from the market. That's one of the reasons why a market downturn can turn into a multi-day downturn is because people are reacting emotionally to it and buy, and selling out when they should actually be buying in. Let me let me take it away from investments for just a minute and ask you guys a different question. If you were shopping for a TV set and you go to the store and the TV sets, they have a sign on the TV set that said um, massive sale, everything half off. That would be the time, right? to go buy a TV set. So when you that's when you do it. Now, if you were going to sell your TV set at this strange store that would take your TV set back, the time when TV sets are, are at the low the, on the massive sale would probably not be the time you want to sell your TV, right? You want to sell your TV when you can get the most price for it. Let's even change the TV scenario to houses. Let's say you're shopping for houses. If the housing market is down 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 and just terrible, like we've had the last few years. Um, I don't think I've saw many homeowners that said, oh my God, I'm down, our house value is down, let's get it on the market and sell it at a loss. Nobody does that. People say, well, I can't sell the house right now because we have to wait for the house market prices to go back up. But there was, I mean, you didn't think there was something fundamentally wrong with your house. Just because the house value went down in a market didn't mean that the house had come off its foundation and was tipping sideways. There was nothing wrong with the house. There was something wrong with the market. And I hope that makes sense. The same thing goes with stocks, though. And, but, but we think about our investments completely opposite than we would a house, even though our house is an investment also. So when you buy stock, and let's say you buy Pepsi, Pepsi-Cola, okay? Um, a big, solid dinosaur company that's everywhere in the world, and there's really no, you know, there's no... There's no you know, risk of, mark, of, of a company collapsing on Pepsi. But let's say the stock market goes down and your Pepsi stock is down 15%. It should be huge for them. Um, do you sell the stock just because it's down? And the question is, of course not. No, no, why would you? Except that when you see your stock down, your instinct will be to sell it even though that's, that is logically the worst thing to do. In fact, let me give you one better. When, if you are 40 years old or 50 years old and you're contributing to your 401k on a regular basis or you've got money to invest, you really, really want times when the stock market is beat up 
and down significantly. Why? Because you are buying. You're looking for the sale. Okay. Now, when now what when the when the market matters um, on the day to day thing, or when when, the, when you should panic when the market is down, is when you are now 75, 80 years old, and you're having to sell a little bit of your stock to cover this month's expenses. Yeah, you want to sell when it's high, right? And buy when it's low. That's, I mean, that, that old saying, buy low, sell high. But because we are emotional about our money, human beings almost always make the opposite uh, transaction. You'll almost always wait until the price is high to buy because you're waiting to get confident. And then you will always sell it when it's low because you panic. And the big guys in the industry know this, guys. They know that the average investor is going to make that mistake over and over and over and over again. And that's why the tallest building in your city right now is owned by a bank or an insurance company. And that is because they know how money works and we don't. And my job and my mission in this business is to help you learn how money works. If I can get you to think like they think, you can have what they have. Okay? So the the bad guys... The bad guys, I'm sorry, that was a little Freudian. The big guys, sometimes bad, not always, um, are playing a game with money, whereas we are holding on to it for dear life. And we make emotional mistakes that they won't make. In fact, they're counting on you selling when things are low so that they can pick up your stock cheaply. And then when the market goes up and you're feeling more confident, they're more than happy to sell it back to you at a high price. That's how profit's made. And until the average investor, those of us like us, working class folks, understand that thought process and get the emotion out of it, you'll make that mistake over and over and over again. Okay? So the number one thing that you can take from that little bullet point of of my talk today is this. The vast majority of you will not be able to govern your emotions correctly. And if that is the case, the vast majority of you should find an investment advisor for, with whom you can build a relationship and with whom you can build some trust. Okay? Because the financial, my job as a financial advisor is to like lay on the hood of your car and not let you make emotional mistakes with your money. I'm going to do everything I can to keep you from veering off the cliff. Okay? Um, the last bullet point I want to talk to you about when things feel bad and when things are, are beating you up is a simple verse from Scripture that I love so much called, it just says this, This too shall pass. When you are 75 years old, if you're 45 today, you won't remember, unfortunately, you won't remember this Dallas shooting that happened. Unfortunately, you won't remember the Orlando shooting. And it's not because you're 75 and you won't remember anything. It's because you're seven, because things will have, there's, there's something in, in behavioral uh, neurofinance called uh, uh, recency bias, that things that happen um, in the short term, things that just happened around us, always feel worse than something maybe much worse that happened but 20 years ago. Okay, so things that happen right now will, that, you know, when we're 75, there'll be some new terrorist type thing going on in the world, or there'll be new, some new calamity of some sort, and we'll think, my God, this is the worst of thing that's ever happened, not knowing and not even remembering that 9-11 happened and, you know, World War II happened. There, there are things that, that, um, that we're guilty of, and one of which is that time heals, and time fades things. So um, what I want you to remember is this will pass, okay? Um, I want you to keep your eye focused on the long-term goal, especially when it comes to any money, 
Okay, keep your historical perspective. See the forest through the trees, if that's one analogy I might use. You need to be able, if, look, if you have a 25-year window to retirement, then your focus should be clear out there, not on what's happening today. Let me give you a quick analogy, and then I'll wrap up today's podcast. I'm training my daughter. I'm teaching my daughter how to drive her car. And it's always interesting because this is our second. My, my son is many years driving. My daughter's just, just getting started. But when I've taught both of my kids to drive, one of my, and I noticed I did this as a young driver too, but they, they kind of instinctively want to just look at the hood of the car and, or look like only a few feet in front of the car to drive. And so they overcorrect. They're always weaving a little bit too much. And they're, they're panicking. And... Um, so I watched the car zig and zag down the street a little bit, and I said, no, 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 I want, hey, you know, I told my daughter, sweetheart, don't look at the hood, or don't look, you know, a few feet in front of the car. Take your, lift your eyes and look down at the horizon. Look as far down the road as you can see. Now, obviously, you want to keep your periphery and, and you know, you're checking your, your rear view mirrors and things and making your, your glances, but look down the road. And when you do that, your driving smooths out because you're, you're not trying to veer every little thing that's, not really urgent in front of you anyway. You're just trying to to keep the car in a straight line down the road. Folks, investing is the same thing. Investing is about keeping your eye way down the road and quit trying to veer and and swerve away from imaginary dangers right in front of you. Keep your eye on the prize. Drive, and that'll smooth out the ride for you, I promise. Okay? So, a few things today to remember, if I can wrap up. Remember the news. If it bleeds, it leads. And just remember that you're getting a vastly disproportionate number of negative things when you watch the news. Here's a great idea. Turn the thing off. Go outside. The sun is still shining. Birds are still chirping. Occasionally, you'll see a kid outside playing. Unfortunately, they're all doing the Pokemon Go thing now. Even my my, uh, college-age kids are into that stuff. Um, But the world's still going on. People still fall in love. You know, people are still going out to the movies. How couples will walk, hold hands, walk in the beach. Things, things are good outside the world of the television news. So shut that off. Remember that there were many, many, many more good people at that, at that tragedy yesterday than there were bad people. Just remember that, okay? Number two, remember that emotions and investing are incompatible. They are oil and water, and you can't let your emotions get in the way. And if you feel that happening, it is vitally important for the success of your financial plan, vitally important, that you get to an investment advisor and have them help you, Um, whether that's a short-term thing, whether somebody just gives you a consultation and kind of gets your head right, or whether you actually need an investment um, someone to, to manage those investments for you on a regular basis, I'm all for that too. So please remember that. Number three, this will pass. Don't stress about it. Don't worry about it. It's not the end of the world. These things come and go. And although we never want to make light of a tragedy or of human suffering like we, we just experienced over the last few weeks, the big events fade in time. Like, okay, here's one, the Boston bombings. Already we've forgotten that, unless somebody brings it up, right? And we shouldn't forget. People lost lives and had lives changed and horribly wounded from those things. But we forget. And it's not because we're bad people. It's because we're humans. And that the re- there's a recency bias. What happens today is going to matter much more to us in our alertness and our attention than what happened 20 years ago, even if 20 years ago really was worse. 
So help keep your perspective, always. Um, my name is Jeremy Torgerson. I'll wrap it up here today. I'd love to answer any questions you might have on a personal basis with your financial advice. Um, if you have any questions at all, you can feel free to contact me at www.investadvisors.com. You can email me at jtorgerson at investadvisors.com or call our office at 888-852-0702. Hope to see you next week on our podcast. Until then, God bless you. Have a great day.